Spring Hill City Church. I ask you to stand with us as uh, we get ready to worship God. I'm just so glad, happy, and blessed to be here because, as John always says, some of the best people I know are in this building. And uh, just truly blessed. So uh, pray real quick and give it all to God. Father God, I thank you so much uh, that we can come together, that we have the freedom to. So much hurt and pain in this world, but right now I ask we lay it all down before you and just find the true joy that is found only in you. You truly are our God, our King, our Conqueror, our Savior, and we trust you with all things. We lay them down at your feet. Let today be awesome and let it be all for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 
God be
sing that over our situation. So whatever our situation is that we're going through, let's just sing it a couple more times that God, you reign, God. We give it to you, God. God, and we don't take it on ourselves anymore, God. But we say, God, you reign over this. So sing it with me, church.
fancy things at the end of the day you know we, we do a, a presentation in church right uh, we stand in rows and we're very organized and methodical and these are good things but at the end of the day man just like we were talking last week on Easter Sunday the aftermath of what Jesus did on died on the cross and after he left you know what he left what came what wasn't even there before was his Holy Spirit and I'm not going to go too much into the teaching of that but at the end of the day we have this Holy Spirit, or maybe Holy Ghost, that you've read, and my wife and I were just talking about this this morning. And man, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how loud you sing, if you lift your hands, it doesn't matter, but it just, can you guys just, uh, Shauna, can you just one more time saying, let us become more aware of your presence? Because like she was just saying, his presence here, it's up to us to take that step and acknowledge his presence. And this atmosphere, this word, right, not to get too weird, but at the end of the day, his spirit is here, and let our hearts sing that amen we don't really care if you even raise your voice like in your heart just have an earnest appetite and desire for god's presence right now so can you sing that one more time guys and let's sing it with everything we have that we become more aware of his presence more aware of your presence and you guys can start singing and start building it up god we pray for your presence right now jesus thank you for your holy spirit Thank you for your presence. Let us experience the glory. Oh God, let us experience your goodness, God. Become more aware of your presence. 
on, church, sing it. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Come on, worship. right now, God. God, you are here. We've invited you. God, flood this place. God, I thank you for your spirit. Church, can you just cry out right now? God, we pray for your presence. God, we pray that we'd just be overcome right now, Father, by something that, that supersedes any of our mind or our thoughts right now. God, that we believe that there's something bigger. We believe there's something beyond what we see with our eyes and our humanity. And God, this morning, we rely on you, Father. We rely on you, God, for peace that surpasses our understanding. Jesus, we invite you, we thank you, we get to worship you. We thank you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Give God a hand. Amen. You guys can be seated. Say good morning to the person next to you. Say good morning. Well, welcome to... Uh, post-Easter at Hill City Church. Love you guys. Hope you guys had a good week. Did everybody enjoy last Sunday? If you didn't, you don't need to say anything. Just, uh, no, we, uh, and John's message last week was about aftermath. Um, just about, you know, Jesus did this great thing. What are we going to do now? And, uh, I want to continue that, right? That should be something that's always present in our, in our spirit. Uh, ushers, you can come forward. The growth track, the growth track, Growth Track is starting uh, in two weeks. Is that right, Mark? Where did Mark go? He was right here a second ago. <laughs> May 7th. So if you're interested in Growth Track, uh, I've said this before, if this is if this is your church home and you've been coming here for a couple years and, you know, we just kind of uh, maybe as a spectator, so to speak, and, and really not uh, being involved, uh, we want you guys to partner with us and move forward as Hill City Church grows, expands, and ultimately reaches our community. And the way that we do that is through a system, uh, a class called Growth Track. And it's a four-week course that we go through. It's on Sunday afternoons. Uh, who, who, can you guys raise your hands if you just went through it? For those of you who just went through it. Look at all these awesome people right here. Pam, why aren't you guys raising your hands? You guys weren't listening to me, were you? No. <laughs> I saw them chatting, and they didn't get my... No, they just went through it, too. So uh, we didn't uh, formally graduate you guys, but man, we just had a good class. We're looking forward to another session of people going through the class. If you want to get signed up, there's go out the doors right to your right, pivot to your right, and Mark and Julie will be out there with their computer to get you guys signed up. And you can also sign up on our app or online. You don't have to go to the computer. So uh, you can do it right now. Um, so I'm going to pray. Uh, I don't think there's any other announcements, but I just wanted to say, um, I know Candace. I wanted to say thank Candace O for all her work last week. Uh, stand up, Candace. Spin, spin. Do a pirouette. 
You know, there's a lot of things that you see uh, by our pastors on a Sunday morning in the face of, of John and Candace, but there is so much unbelievable work that these two do behind the scenes, and it's shocking. Um, I don't know how they sleep, but uh, I just wanted to say thank you um, on behalf of the church for John and Candace and all the work that you guys did. Uh, um, so give them a hand. And um, thank you guys for making last week so successful. Um, yeah, the, just the whole team. I, that's what I love about our church. If we're doing something and we're doing something, everybody's all in. So you stay and you help after service, even if it's Easter Sunday. And so we can't do that without you. Um, so thank you so much. And it makes it so much fun to see that picture of like, what, 75 of us that stayed, you know, after Easter and that put an Easter egg hunt on for our community. So we couldn't do it without you. And we just love you guys. And we love that about our church. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we'll unleash Pastor John O. Um, God, thank you for this day for that we're alive in your story this morning. We're alive, and we get to come to this church and, and experience your presence, experience your goodness, God. God, that we'd feel your goodness this morning. And um, God, just speak through John as he, as, he, uh, as he delivers the message, and may our hearts be receptive this morning to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Say hi. Hello. Nice blouse. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Man, welcome, welcome, welcome to Hill City Church. My name is John. Uh, always, always glad to, to see you and just... Just much appreciated. Just like, I love you guys. I love coming here. This would be my church even if I didn't get to lead this place. I just love the people. It's the best people that I know. I, I honestly believe that. We had a great like e e Easter experience. And I, I thank you for joining us. And like Candace said, everyone who helped doing it and, uh, and make it happen. And the people heard the gospel. People got to hear Jesus. That's, that's what is most important to me is that people get to hear Jesus, and then, but we always have a then what? And then what? Then it's, it's, it doesn't stop there. Our, our life doesn't stop in a moment of just one decision. It's a, it's a moment of many decisions, right? Throughout life, you, you constantly are making decisions, and you're either making decisions towards God, towards Christ, or you're not. And so I want you to make another decision if it's growth track or a group or if it's getting uh, discipled or whatever you need to do to grow in faith, you have to constantly make decisions towards God because you're living a, a new life in Him and you got to, even in your worship, man, I want you to make a decision like if, if the first day you're like, I don't know what these crazy people are doing, they're singing songs loud, you know, maybe the next day you, you raise a finger, I'm like, or whatever but you know you got to make decisions towards God you can't say this is this is just who I am this is what, what I'm gonna do it's cool it's cool but we, you know if you don't want to stay where you are you got to make decisions that are different that are changed that uh, that changes you so if you're uh, here new or new-ish uh, make sure uh, like many of these guys said check out the guest center join a group groups are just people doing life together it's family uh, and uh, Growth track. Paul talked about it. Get connected. And uh, the goal of this church is to encounter Jesus and make disciples. We want to be a disciple of Christ. Follow him. Be a student of him. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 9. All right. We love the Word of God. It reveals Jesus, and it's Jesus that changes our lives. We're in the series called Meet Jesus, and it's, it's been very interesting in this series, and, uh, and it's just been teaching me a lot. But how many of you guys in here are married, right? Married people, right? And isn't marriage so easy? <laughs> yeah, like, isn't this so easy? Like, oh, it's so simple. Like, you just, like, get married, and you hold hands and kiss and other stuff, right? And, uh, and then you raise kids, and, and, and raising kids is so calm, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just make your life so calm. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's crazy. No, marriage is hard. 
Marriage is super hard for those who are engaged and, and those who are wanting to be engaged or those who have been praying to God to be engaged or to date. Uh, you know, you got, you gotta, you, some of you, you just have to ask someone out. You, you got to start somewhere, right? Uh, but marriage is hard. And, and because in a, in a relationship or in a true relationship, not one of those fake ones you see on, on, on TV, but in a true relationship, you are confronted with someone else's life when you're married. So you're like, oh, everything, we agree upon everything. It's going to be perfect. And you get married, we're like, I don't even know you. It's a, you know, only married people know. You're like, what do they talk about? Married people know, right? They're like, oh, that first year, I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know you. Who are you? Because we were so good at faking it. It takes time for growth. But you're exposed, right? For the first time, you're exposed. With, first of all, within yourself, you find out all the selfish things that you, they do or you do because they point it out. You're like, you're manipulating me. Boom. Roasted, right? I don't know, right? They point everything out. They also, they also like, you, you also, with your spouse, they have a different perspective than you. Guess what? They think different than you. What? You think different than me? But I'm so right. What do you mean you think different than me, right? Uh, they have different thoughts, different experiences. It's no longer just what you think. And it's very interesting this way. So I have a huge confession to make, right? And this is going to be big. And so I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings. But I used to hate Mexican food. Any, any, anyone like hate Mexican food? One. Ooh, don't raise your hands in here, man. This is Colorado. Everyone loves Mexican food in Colorado, right? But I used to hate Mexican food. You're like, John, you're a racist. No, I'm not. Maybe, you know. I just didn't like beans and like tortillas and like I didn't like Mexican food. I was like, eh, it's all right. It's all right. But you know, but, but my wife, she loves Mexican food from the very get-go. Yeah, all right. Give her a hand. <laughs> right? She could eat it every day and did while she was pregnant. <laughs> I'd, look at the, I'd look at the bill and it'd be like another Mexican place. She's like, I had to go. I was hungry. Right? And, and it's funny, and after 40, uh, not 40, 14, 14, 40, it feels like one, babe. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, 14 years of marriage later, now I'm just now, this year, I'm starting to crave Mexican food. It's weird. It, it, and who says I'm hard-headed, right? It takes a while. I'm not that hard-headed. 14 years later, Juan, just 14. It's not that, it's not that bad, right? Right? And it's funny, it just took a couple years, it takes a couple years to change, and it's not overnight. And, 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 and what's so funny is that Candace, the things she used to not like, she's liking a little bit more, right? Uh, she's, uh, she now listens to like John Mayer and Dave Matthews, things like that no, no one listens to unless you're old like me, right? And you're like, who? Yeah, he just released a new album two days ago. John Mayer, just to put that out there. Uh, but I, she gets to listen to things like that. And, and, and it's interesting. She likes Korean food now. Not all of it, but she likes some of it, right? Uh, I'm still working on her with the Lord of the Rings. She still hates it, right? Yeah, Lord of the Rings, no. Uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship, nope. She hates it, right? She's like, I'm trying to get her to like it. I've even taken her to fights, and she still hates it. So, right? She's like, why, why, what are we doing here, right? Uh, and uh, last night, Josh Copeland won, just, just throw it out there. Uh, he's one of, he's a guy here who fights, and uh, you do not want to be punched by him, right? But in the, in the, fast, in the past few months, right, in the past few months, we've been going through the, uh, the book of Mark verse by verse by verse, right? And, and, and learning who Jesus is and what he loves, what he despises, and, and what he says is confronting us. We're not skipping over, oh, this sounds good about Jesus, I'm going to take this, and this sounds good about Jesus, I'm going to take that. No, we're not skipping over anything. We're letting the word of God confront our lives, and we're saying, we're, we're not skipping over hard stuff, right? This is not like, you ever watch a Disney movie and there's like a song in the middle of the Disney movie and it's like from childhood to manhood. Every, every Disney movie has one song where the kid turns into a man. I'm like, oh my goodness, one song. It's so easy to grow up, right? Skip over all the hard stuff. You just sing a song. And that, like in The Lion King, it was Kuna Matata, right? He was like a little cub and then he sings a song. He's a big cub. I don't know why I'm going this way. My brain's crazy. 
right? But in most movies, there's like a, a one song, like growing, a growing up scene. In real life, there's no Kuna Matata, right? You go through hard stuff, and then you go through hard stuff. And you're like, that was hard. Then you go through hard stuff. You're like, that was hard too. <laughs> then there's some good stuff. Then there's, you have to go through it. There's a process of going through it. But in, 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 and with God, there's a process of going through it and being confronted by his word and confronted by Jesus. Because in a true relationship, there is always confrontation. There is. And if there's no confrontation, you haven't dug deep yet. See, that's what we're doing in the book of Mark. We're going through the hard stuff, but we're letting Jesus confront us with all of him, not just some of his words, but all of his words. And, and unless you get the whole Jesus, we begin to build our own Jesus, right? I built a little picture up there. And like, have you ever been to Build-A-Bear? Right? No? Here. You like that? Build-A-Jesus. That's my Photoshop skills. You like that? Yeah. I did some build the Jesus. If you go to build the bear, you pick the animal that you like, or you pick whatever, you pick and choose, you customize it, you fit, you, you, and, and we do this with Jesus. We look at the Bible and we pick the verse, these are my favorite verses, right? Uh, Philippians, uh, you know, I could do all things, 413. We, we do the verses that are so positive about us. We don't like the verses that are like, there's going to be a hell one day. <laughs> And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. We're like, no, I'm not going to teach my kid that. Right? But you can do all things, buddy, through Christ who strengthens you. And, and that verse is not even about you if you read the whole narrative of that story. But, uh, you know, we pick and choose what we like. And, and, and it's tattooed on people. And we're like, that's cool. Did you read that whole verse? It's about, like, being, having nothing and still following Jesus. I know what it means to be poor, to be rich, to have and to have not, to be homeless, to have a home. But I I can do all things through Christ. He, what he's really saying is with Christ, all things are possible. He's not making this statement where God, Jesus is this fairy godmother who blesses you as you read verses. And I, I, that's too harsh right away, John. Too harsh right away. Back to build a Jesus. You cannot, we are not called to customize Jesus. Because when you do, we do not have a savior or a master. We have a homeboy, Right? We have a buddy Jesus, and buddy Jesus cannot change your life. I'm telling you, you got to take it all in. The love part, the confrontation of sin part, and the obedience part of Christ. And what you're left with is the real Jesus. So I would love to say, follow Jesus, just say the magic prayer, pray, pay your dues at church like Costco, serve once in a while when it's convenient, right? Obedience is optional because God's not holy like that. <laughs> right? And then boom, you get a blessed and happy life and a golden ticket to heaven. And this is not the message of the Bible. It is not. It's a, that's, that's, that's the Americanized, commercialized, minimized, privatized Jesus that is not in the Bible. Because where's the commitment? Where's the call to discipleship? Where's the obedience? Say obedience. That's a dirty word these days. Obedience? I want to make my own decisions. What do you mean obedience? Cost. Even the word suffering. Jesus talks a lot about suffering. And the good news, I want to tell you this, is not good news unless you know what the bad news is. What is God saving you from? If you don't know what God's saving you from or saving you to, you, and you, all you get is the good news, you don't know what we're being saved from. And so my hope today, because we're in the book of Mark chapter 9, and it's going to be harsh. I'm just throwing that out there because that's how Jesus is in these verses. I'm not giving us half-truths because half-truths don't lead us to truth. And my hope is that we're confronted by Jesus. Then we look at his life, his words. We look at our lives, and we close the gap between. That's my goal. Confrontation. Say confrontation. It's not easy, guys. Confrontation is not easy, but it's essential to growing in Christ. It's essential to your mission. It's essential to love. It's essential in marriage. If you don't want confrontation, please do not get married. If you do not want confrontation, you will not grow in your workplace. In, in everything in life, it is confrontation. It is going, it is, it, is the, it is the hardships that grow us. And God knows this because God is more interested in growing you than making us feel good. He really is. He's way more interested in that. 
And so that's what we're doing. So let's get into our text in chapter 9. I'm going to give you some backstory, right? We see Jesus first challenge the idea of greatness, and I talked about this two weeks ago. He flips the script, and he says in verse 35, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all, servant of all. And he took a child, a baby child. I took Ridge the other day. And then he, he put him in his arms, in the midst of them, taking him in his arms. Verse 37, he says, whoever receives such a child in, in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but he, he, him who sent me. And so he's taking, talking about a child represents power, powerlessness, and he cannot do anything for himself. If you have a baby, you know you got to feed the baby, you got to change the baby, you got to nurture the baby, you got to wash the baby. And guess what, parents? You get nothing in return. You, you get whatever. You get to throw away diapers, right? And it's, it's interesting, but you love this baby so much, and they're giving you nothing. You're like, oh, I love you so much, even though you mess up everything. Right? It's so interesting how much we love a child when all we do, everything on their body, man, is from you. You paid for everything. You pay for rent. You pay for clothes. You pay for lessons. You pay for swimming. You pay, just think of it, whatever, right? You're paying for it. But we love them so much. And Jesus says, serve people like that because that's how I served you, loved you. Listen, what can we really give God? I want to ask that question. What do we really give God? I give him my praise. I give him my prayers, right? God wants my praise and my prayers. Uh, like God doesn't have like a host of angels in heaven giving him praise and prayers, right? He needs your prayers so bad. He's like, John, I need your prayers so bad because I need you. I just love the way you pray. No, God doesn't need my prayers. God doesn't need my praise. God doesn't really need me. He's the creator, He's almighty God. He doesn't need me. That's a crazy part because we're Americans. You need me. I'm John. I'm something, right? God, you need me. You need my praise. And God's like, I don't need your praise. God, you, want my, you need my prayers. No, nah, I don't really need your prayers either. Like, is your prayers that epic that I need your prayers? Right? And what, No, God doesn't need us. God wants us. That's very different. Just like our children, we want them. We love them so much because we want them. We desire them. God desires us. So our praise, our prayers, our worship time, all this is understanding how much God loves us. We worship God because of what he has done, not because of what we're doing. We serve God because of what he has done, not what we're doing. Let us not get lost in our doings and how epic we are, but let us get lost in how glorious God is and how much he loves us. And if an almighty God can love me, you deserve all of me, God. That's worship. That's the Christian life. That's normal Christianity. Everything in life is a bonus, man. I know life is a struggle, but you're alive. You're alive. You get to be in on the story of God. How crazy is that? In the moment of conception, I know I say this, there could have been 11 million other yous, but you got chosen. Congratulations. You won the lottery, right? You won the lottery of life. And, and, and sometimes we're like, oh, man, I, just think about it. You get to be in the story of God. How brilliant, how beautiful is that? And so we start from there. And with that, life is a moment or is, it's an understanding of who God is, who I am, and saying, God, you're glorious, man. You're beautiful. It is a gratitude. It is a response. Our worship must be rooted in the response of gratitude. That's what worship really is. It's not singing songs, singing words, asking the Holy Spirit to be here. Yes, we want all those things, but it's in the response of thankfulness. Like, oh my God, God, I cannot believe I'm alive. I can't believe you're my God. I can't believe that's my wife. I can't believe I get to speak to these people on a Sunday. I can't believe I, br I, I got to breathe a breath of life. My son like woke me up in the middle of the night at two o'clock, but it's okay because he's in on the story with me. And you, when you look at life this way, it gets so beautiful. Your story is beautiful when we see in big picture with Christ. Man, this is what's going on. Then Mark chapter 9, 38, right? 
John, this is, man, John is such a knucklehead right here. So Jesus is talking about this depth of beauty, of looking at this child and serving this child because that's how I love you and serve you. Then here's John. John said to him, you would think that he would talk about what Jesus is talking about. He's like, teacher, I saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. I love this. He's like squirrel, right? It's like a squirrel moment. I'm like, what are you, this is such a weird moment. This is how I know that the Bible is really written by someone like who was there in the moment because you wouldn't write this in because this is so weird, right? Squirrel moment. He's like totally distracted. Jesus is talking about something. He butts in just like my son, my, like Ezra, and he's like, dad, like the, the, the cows are black and white. And I'm like, thanks, Ezra, right? It's like one of those moments, right? It's a selfish moment. He's trying to be like, hey, God, like, Hey, Jesus, like, I try to stop someone because he's like, he wasn't one of us. And Jesus is like, this is how he responds, 39. But Jesus said, don't stop him, for no one who does mighty works in my name will soon afterwards speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. He's, He's saying it's not us and them. It's not insiders, outsiders. And Christians, it's not us and them. When I look on Facebook, it's so us and them. I'm like, what are you guys doing? We're on the good side. You're on the evil side. You're like Satan. I'm just like, don't like, I, I hope no one amens this sucker, right? If you, if you amen this, God will bless you. If you scroll, you're like of Satan. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And this is spam. You know that. I'm going to just throw that out there. They're just t- checking your information, right? Someone's collecting it, right? Just throw it out there. Uh, but, but I'm like, this is ridiculous, guys. This is not us and them. This is us and God, right? We're all sinners, saved by grace. We're all living this life, and it's always, and it's all hard. It's not easy all the time. We're all struggling through life, and then you're like, oh, this, man, don't make it worse. Don't make it us and them. That's not it, and this is what he's saying. You're so focused on you, your kingdom, your greatness, and then verse 31, he says, listen, for, for truly, I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. He's like, It's not about you, buddy. Now back to the child, verse 42. Whoever causes these little ones, and this is hardcore, so I'm going to just read it right through, then I'm going to talk about it. Whoever causes these little ones who believe in me to sin, the ones who are powerless, hurting, and innocent, it would be better for him if he had a, a millstone or a giant rock hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. This is not what you choose. Like, these aren't verses you choose at Build a Jesus, right? And Jesus is getting serious about sin and our treatment of others. Think about that. Verse 43, and if your hand causes you to sin, what does it say up there? What? It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to an unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, what? This doesn't sound like Jesus. Where's buddy homeboy Jesus, right? It's better for you to enter lame than with two feet thrown into the fires of hell. And if your eyes cause you to sin, tear it out. Are you crazy, Jesus? It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than two eyes to be thrown into hell where the worms does not die and the fire is not quenched. It just sounds crazy. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt loses its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Jesus is really painting a graphic picture, isn't he? A lot of times, these are verses that we read through and we don't talk about. So we're talking about it. And and so he's showing three things, the severity of sin, the severity of hell, and why the cross was so severe. Number one, the severity of sin. It's called upon every believer to deal with sin ruthlessly ruthlessly. Think about it. Our sin, you got to deal with it ruthlessly. This is not what pastors do. Oh, you're a professional Christian, John. You got you to gotta deal with it. No, I'm telling you, you got to deal with sin because it's serious. It's serious. You, it, this is normal Christianity to be serious about sin. If anyone, anything causes you to sin or drag you uh, 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 or drag you or others away from Jesus, he says, cut that off, man. Tear it out. 
amputate that from your life. So Jesus is talking about the severity of our sin. He's using this picture and he, to make a point of how heavy sin really is, right? And he's dealing with sin. He's saying it's going to be painful. If you struggle with lust or addiction to porn or, or you are at work and you know there's a relationship going on and it's a wrong relationship, he's saying you better cut that off. You might have to quit your job, buddy. You might have to throw your brand new computer away or step on your iPhone, right? And get like one of those things that just open up back in the day, right? Uh, Motorola, whatever, Katana. You might have to get a Katana by Sprint. I didn't have the, uh, the, the good one. I had the Katana, right? It was, the, it was a fake. What was the other one called? The Razor. I didn't have the Razor. I had Katana. <laughs> That's what I had. Sorry. It didn't have internet, right? And I remember I had a, do you remember when you guys had, I don't know why I'm going this. Do you remember when you had a list of phone numbers in your pocket because you had, you couldn't remember all of them. Now you don't even know one phone number, right? You're like, what's your phone number? You're like, let me look that up, right? And it's true. But it's like, you got, you better break that. You better, you better stop it. You better cut that off. You better cut that relationship away. You better get accountable, you better embarrass yourself because the end of severity, what sin will cause in your life and damage in your kids, damage in your, in your generations ahead. When I look back, and all of us, we have family members that made one costly mistake, and think of the damage it propelled forward. You think sin is just you? Oh, it's just me. It's just my decision. I call bull. It is not just your decision. It's not just affecting you. It goes on for generations and generations. I know it's true. And someone down the line has to stop that sin from rolling. Right? And that's what we're doing here. We're calling out sin like Jesus is calling out sin. So we stop it here and we heal now so it doesn't keep rolling down hill. Is it pride? Is pride controlling you? Is lying? Is materialism? Is codependency? Is it your boyfriend? You seek approval of people more than God? You might have to cut things away. But that's the normal Christian life, folks. That is the normal Christian life. Followers of Jesus love him more than anything else in this world. And they take sin seriously, cutting things away. See, because following Jesus without obedience and sacrifice doesn't work. Following Jesus without obedience and sacrifice doesn't work. It doesn't change your life. It's just religion. It's like watching the UFC and thinking, I can be a professional fighter. Right? Have you ever had, everyone has one friend who's like, I'm thinking about being a professional fighter. You're like, no. <laughs> like, no, you die. <laughs> right? If you would get in the ring without the sacrifice, the commitment, the discipline, and the training, you're going to the hospital. I remember one time I went into the UFC gym, like, and I've been punched by people before, like with gloves on and stuff, but I've never been punched by a professional puncher. I've never been kicked by a professional kicker. The first time you're kicked, you quit. I quit. I quit. I don't feel my leg. For 10 days, I cannot feel this leg. Right? I quit. Or the first time you get hit in the face by a professional puncher and it's a jab, you're like, I quit. I quit you, because they're trained to do that. They're trained to unleash that. And unless you understand that, you don't know. You do not know. And this is true with our walk of faith. There's a huge difference between being a commentator, right, and then being a competitor, in faith. You, you got to train spiritually. You got to grow spiritually. You got to give passionately. You got to live gratefully. You got you to gotta look at sin head on and you got to understand the severity of sin and you got to say, I'm going to be obedient when it's hard. Number two, the severity of hell. And I'm going to be quick about this. Severity of hell. Hell is real. 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 Jesus talks about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. We like to downplay it, but he's the prime hell talker in all of the Bible. Jesus. He warns us, nothing in this world is more val so valuable that it's worth going over hell for. 
I'd rather be blind in one eye, have no hands, have no arms. I would rather not be able to hold my child in my hands. I would rather, I would rather be blind and not be able to see my, 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 my sons graduate than to take sin lightly and go to hell. That's what he's saying. That's intense, man. I'd rather not be able to walk than to end up in hell. That's pretty. These are intense things Jesus is saying. So I started looking up hell. Of, I've been studying hell all week. It's awesome, right? Studying hell. It says in Matthew 25, hell is a place of punishment. Luke 16, a place of fire, thirst, pain, wrath, and frustration. And in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, and 9, it's of eternal separation from God. It's serious. We must look at, we must look with a view of eternity, not just in the moment. We have to look at people in the view of eternity. Man, I'm going to look at you in the view of eternity. I'm not going to just care for you now, what you're feeling right now, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm going to care for what you're going to feel and go through throughout your life and your eternity. That's what it means to be a normal Christian, to look at your calling, to look from an eternal perspective, knowing the ramifications of sin and how serious it is. How serious it is. You know, we have good friends and bad friends. Good friends are there when you're going through a hard time right? And they speak truth, right? There's some friends that will always speak truth to you. Not because they hate you, it's because they love you. We need those friends, but those are the friends we want to push away when we're going nuts, right? <laughs> when we're losing control, we're out of our mind, we're trying to push those people away, but we need those friends in our lives. We need reality talkers who love us enough to go through it with us and speak with us because they are thinking about our eternity. They're thinking about more than the moment. Now, the severity of sin and the severity of hell leads us to this, the severity of the cross. The cross was so severe because sin and hell are so severe. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. While we were still sinners. Say, still sinners. Think about that. He didn't say, oh, when you were all cleaned up and you're good to go. No, nah, he says when you're in your mess, when you're far from God, when you were angry, when you were so prideful you couldn't see and you treated your wife like garbage, that's when I still went after you, still died for you. When you hated me, that's when I loved you. That's how big the cross is. When you look at the severity of sin and the severity of hell, I want you to look at the severity of God's love for us. It's so big. When we were so far, God came so far to get us. Nothing is bigger than the love of God. No one is too far from the love of God. There's some people in this room that says, I'm too far. I'm too messed up. It's No, you are not too far. You are not too messed up. There's some people in this room right now dealing with suicide. and You're not too far. You're not too messed up. This week, I've been dealing with two issues of that, dealing with people who are walking through that, families that are walking through that, and it's not easy. You're not too far. You are not too far for God to change everything about your life. You're not too distant. Your guilt is not too big. Your addiction is not too strong. God's love is bigger than that. He has a severe love for us. And I want us to get a bigger picture of God and his love for you. His bigger picture. My son Ezra, and I talk about him a lot because he asks a lot of questions, right? And he asked one day, Dad, is God bigger than Walmart? I said, yeah, God's bigger than Walmart. <laughs> How about the moon? <laughs> is God bigger than the moon? And he says it with his like Brooklyn accent, Brooklyn Korean Thornton accent. Dad, is God bigger than the moon? I was like, yeah, God's bigger than the moon. And he just keeps on asking what God's bigger than. I'm just answering, yes, he's bigger than that. But he is trying to understand or conceptualize the bigness of our God, the measure of our God. But the question, how big is your God, is one of the most important questions you will ever ask and answer for yourself. 
A.W. Tozer wrote this, a low view of God is the cause of hundred lesser evils, but a person with a high view of God is relieved of a thousand temporal problems. A small view of God will cause so much messes in your life. But a big view of God is the solution to so many issues that we're facing. It's the difference between how you live your life today. If God is small, your mission is small, your life is small, your purpose is small, and you always have a reason why you can't. But if God is big, all things are possible. Your life is filled with God-sized adventures, dreams, friendships, hardships, and suffering. And you can make it through your suffering because God's bigger than that. You can make it through your sinfulness because God's bigger than that. The cross is bigger than that. And that's how you look at life and follow God in a big way. Give God praise. Man, we need a bigger picture of God, don't we? We do. How will you and I respond to God today? Number one, we need to deal with our sin. Let's stand. Deal with it, man. Deal with your sin. It's severe, it's serious, but you can stop the ball rolling in your family for generations ahead. I, I come from a very abusive household, and, and many of you guys do too. But it, my dad's dad was abusive. My dad's dad's dad. You know, it's, it just rolls, right? And then it comes to you, and you get to make the decision, am I going to continue in this? And it's so hard because it's all you know. It's all you know. It's all you grew up with. Some of you grew up in such chaos, and it's all you knew. And, and who you are today is so much, man, I know we look down upon you, ourselves, but man, you've come a long way. You're doing good, man. But I, stop that ball from rolling. Stop that sin because the severity of sin brings death upon death upon death. But the severity of God's love brings life upon life upon life. That's why we have to go to the cross. When we fall, we go to the cross. When we fall, we go to the cross. And we go to the cross as many times. You will never stop going to the cross. You will never be like, now I'm good. You know, we'll keep going to the cross and we'll keep continue going to the cross because only in the cross I can do all things through Christ. I can make it in the cross of Christ. That's what that means. Go to the cross. Deal with your sin today. Ask God, number two, for a greater vision of Him because the bigger your God is, the easier it is to deal with your sin right away. And number three, this is the hardest one, is obedience. I ask you to struggle with God today. I ask you to struggle with obedience. Don't just blow it off. If God is asking you to change some things in your life, struggle with it. Struggle with it. Ask, how do you want me to live my life? It's funny. It's like, God, I want to do this. I want to do that. Have we ever asked God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, God? I believe this is the start of a life filled with divine moments, divine adventures, divine mission, and purpose. The fullness of life that Jesus promises are given to those who say, I'm all in, man. I'm all in. I'm all in. Everyone in the Bible started with three things, a decision, a confession, and then one obedience at a time. I will obey you. Okay. <laughs> I don't understand. Okay. I'm going to follow you still. I'm going to follow you still. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. <laughs> Heavenly Father, today we feel the weight of God's severity because without feeling the weight of sin and the severity of sin, we won't understand the severity of your love and kindness for us. First, there's people in this room and we need to make a decision to really follow you. Not a build a Jesus, but to follow the Jesus of the Bible. I pray right now, God, if you're in this room and you need to give your life fully to Christ, I just want you to respond with a hand raise. I'm the only one looking. It doesn't even matter. Confess God. That's, that's right. Confess God. Be bold. We're bold about all sorts of things. Thank you, thank you all around this room. I believe God's talking to your spirit. You can just sense him. You can sense him. Grab a hold of him like a pit bull and never let go. 
Number two, some of us, we need to make a confession of sin. We're dealing with some sin that's hidden. We've been digging and we've been digging and we are going to be found out. And the way, man, it is so destructive. If you're dealing with deep sin and you need help and you need God to take it, man, just raise your hand and say, God, take this from me. If it's pride, if it's lust, if it's whatever, if it's addiction, God, take it. Yeah, all over this room. God, we boldly confess because we have a boldly loving God. And lastly, you can put your hands down. I pray for obedience in this room. This is the hardest one. Help us in our obedience. Give even just one person in this room such a great view of you, such a thankful heart of you that we walk in obedience to you. Save us, Lord God, we confess to you and then we obey. We know that you are big enough to use 12 rookie fishermen who believed in Jesus, that all things are possible and they change the world. I pray use the people in this cafetorium and online today in Thornton, Colorado with a crazy big view of God to change our families, to change our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our city, to the uttermost parts of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. God bless you. I mean it. I don't mean it like just Christians mean it. When they say hi, they say God bless you. No, I mean it like God truly bless you as we walk in confession, decision, and obedience. Man, get in a group, get to know people. Some of the best people are in here. Get to know them. God bless you guys. Give God praise. Thank you guys.